Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast edition. You know where to find this, mwwire.com. Twitter, where I like to argue, MWC Wire, or excuse me, Matt Kennedy, have a thoughtful conversation with people who uh, have their opinions about things. That's true. Everybody's got one. But you know what? No complaints here. No, we're good. It's um, it's fun. Go check out our mentions. See what people talk about because it's it's always a good time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, subscribe if you're finding us on the website. Excellent. We can be found at iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, anywhere fine podcasts can be sold. Look for us there. And Dude, it's already week 12. What the heck? I know, right? Why? <laughs> it's almost over, man. It's never almost over. We got football. That's true. Every week of the year. Well, I'll say 90% weeks of the year. We have, a, we have a show for you folks. So let's get to it. Let's get to a really quick backtrack to Tuesday night as we take our time time machine. Playoff ranking drought. And you were correct with two Mountain West teams being ranked. Congratulations, Nostradamus. Well, I, I was only half right. Because I had thought yeah, that dude, the committee take might it, take it, man. You got two right. You no, did get two right. You I did. did. See, I did, but order. I wasn't. I wasn't perfect because one, I had Boise State ahead of Utah State because if you didn't read the article, I was thinking that you know, in in the ways that they would measure what Utah State's been able to do versus what the Broncos have been able to do, that that Boise State would come out slightly ahead. I mean, neither one was going to surprise me. It's you know. It's it's hard to get into the committee's head apparently, okay. um, especially since both of those teams are somehow behind Northwestern, which is <laughs> they're Western, West Big Ten West champion Northwestern. Get their proper name there. They're basically just the the San Diego State of the the Power Five. However, Aztecs didn't lose to lose team with the losing record in Akron. That's true. So they so I don't I don't under, I don't understand it at all. I also did not think that Cincinnati would jump into the top twenty five either. Who did they beat? They beat South Florida last week, right? They did. Who's what are they three losses at the moment? Um yeah, South Florida's lost three in a row. Yeah, so a reeling South Florida team gives them credit. Got it. Cool. Well and and I wasn't so sure about the Bearcats because if you look at their resume, at least from where I'm sitting, it kinda of, and and Maybe this is ironic considering they're between Boise and Utah State, but it kind of splits the difference between what those two teams are doing because you know, before Tuesday, Ohio hadn't beaten Buffalo, but all of a sudden that win looks a little bit better, even though they lost to Miami, Ohio uh, the week before that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, UCLA is kind of, eh, you know, yeah. they only have they only have two wins on the year. Alabama a and is not going to move the needle at all. And... UConn. <laughs> yeah, UConn's well, not going to the needle. Sorry, that's I a mean, conference and game. They I two, they've beaten Tulane and SMU, who all of a sudden are, are well within the mix for the West Division title in the American Conference. But it just didn't scream top 25 to me yet. I was thinking that it would take a win over UCF in order to make that conversation happen. But now it's it's a little bit different than I expected it to be. It's true because you think about it, if you look at Utah State, what they've done compared to Cincinnati – Utah State 
again, I'll say it all year long. Like people ask me, you gave like in our power poll, a couple of our guys, Boise guys, other people saying, Hey, did you give Boise State any thought for number one? I said no within like seconds mm-hmm. because look what they're doing. And you've heard me say it a million times. They're steamrolling everybody. They're looking good. They're Jordan Love has played equivalent to what eight games this year, essentially three fewer games because sitting out the fourth quarter, second house of all these games. Mm-hmm. So like, no, I have no hesitation putting the Boise state behind Utah state. And then, well, Cincinnati, I'm not, this not just on Cincinnati, but that they're this close when they have a couple close wins. They do have the loss to temple, but temple's looking pretty good. I it's a playoff committee. So whatever, take whatever it is, but I figured Cincinnati's not, that far behind Utah State, but I don't think they're this close. At least they shouldn't be. I mean, I would not have put them ahead of Utah State if it were oh, me. Oh, definitely. I mean, if I were to rank the three, I would personally put Boise, Utah, Cincinnati. In a play- for playoff rankings, or like a yes, okay, not... which, which is which is how I had it to begin with. Did you have it in? What did you put in our power poll? Did you put Boise number one? Were you one of the um, couple people? I think there's two or three that did. Actually, I think I forgot to fill it out this week, but it's somebody asked, I think you asked me in the podcast last week I don't recall um, <laughs> before I forgot to, to fill it out. And I, I think that was the one thing that you and I disagreed upon okay. was that I probably would have put Boise ahead of Utah State. I could see it, but for me, it's a, it's still no Utah State. It's far. two very different kinds of arguments, it is, which it is, is what makes it really interesting. And yeah. And then I got flack for the playoff or not playoff, but the bowl. Well, you have Utah State. I'm like, well, my playoff in the Vegas bowl. Because Fresno lost now, I had Fresno before. It's because mm-hmm. those I'm mostly looking at those as a week to week thing. The only time I really project ahead is like, hey, Wyoming could be close to be a bowl team, or when, especially when it's earlier in the year, like, oh, Nevada's sitting at four. When drive Hawaii to Hawaii bowl forever, just because they've been sitting at six wins for a month. Mm-hmm. So it's mostly for that. It's like it's a week to week thing. I'm not looking too far ahead, especially the slate, because right now Utah State it has the inside track because. Everything is in their favor. That's why they're in the Las Vegas Bowl, not Boise State. Now, obviously, Boise State wins. That changes quite a bit. They would be in that position by far. But if that's the reason I had Fresno because I, that's how I had it. So it's like that's my point of view and why that's because everybody's different thinking for bull projections. Some people go end of the year at this time. I kind of look ahead a little bit, but not too much when you look who's what the schedule is and who has the edge. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. But overall. Besides there being Northwestern, or sorry, what Big Ten West Division champion Northwestern Wildcats twenty-two, you also have Mississippi State. Um, Kentucky finally got knocked down after losing two weeks in a row. <laughs> I don't know how Mississippi State is still in the top twenty-five. SEC man, come on, that's all it takes. They're, they're not that good, man. I mean, they got a good defense, but their offense against good defenses is hot trash. They scored seven points versus Kentucky, and Kentucky's not bad, but they're they've been floundering. They only scored six against Florida. I'm, I told you, man, they scored 16 points against Kentucky, Florida, and I LSU. think it was LSU and Alabama. That's right. Yeah, four. Yeah, the four, the four teams that are good on their schedule. Mm-hmm. They they lose to the good teams and beat the uh, not so good teams. Texas A&M's pretty good, but that's it. The SEC cannot possibly be that good. It never can be that good. So we'll see. How, so we're fine. So really quick, what it takes? Like we'll just hit the front end. No, we're not gonna mishmash what's going on so basically new year six implications really quick then we'll get their previews ucf cl- clearly number one mm-hmm. i think the simple answer for with cincinnati being 24 it com- makes a conflict or confuses things a little bit because those two teams play this week yes the, the, regardless the winner has the inside track so basically what utah state or boy state need to happen which this is great drama because 
it's basically elimination, basically an elimination game for UCF and Cincinnati, almost mm-hmm. almost in certainty. Similar with Boise State, Utah State, and Fresno. I mentioned Fresno State still in the mix. The people were giving me flack on that, like they could still be in the mix. All you gotta do win the conference, right? All you gotta mm-hmm. do. You just and, gotta give yourself a chance, yeah. yeah. And a few people are like, well. Regardless, UCF since they'll be at a Fresno, yeah, they might be ranked higher, but you got to win the conference because I was pointing out kind of some, some scenarios to people. It comes down to this. The easiest scenario, you want somebody from the West to win the American Conference. Yeah. Whoever, I mean, first, first and foremost, though, you root for Cincinnati on Saturday night. Yes, that would help a bit because the rankings can be closer with Utah State or Boise State. That winner, assuming they both win this week, which they should, that will give them a quality win. And then yes. Title game favors the Mountain West as well. So that's ideal, but I think the most simple scenario, say, um, not simple, but even though Ed, I believe Ed Oliver's out for the year, put out some cryptic tweet from Houston. I think he's done, which hurts their chances. But say Houston wins American overall, I would highly doubt a three loss Houston team would jump even a two loss Boise State team. They wouldn't. Or, or a two-loss Fresno team. And heck, no, they would not jump a one-loss Utah State team. Just, I mean, good Just because they luck. beat – because – oh, sorry. Let me real quick finish. Because say UCF wins this weekend. They'll probably – they, they'd probably move into top 10 in the playoff, I'm assuming, 9 or 10, because since he's going to be considered a really good win. They'll move, move up a couple spots. I don't think Houston would jump up, say – because I think the Mountain West winner, if it's Utah State and Boise, would probably be about 20, maybe 19. There's no way Houston jumps up that high above them if they played beat an undefeated UCF team. I'd love to know who's like ninth in the country. I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah, good luck figuring out who to place your faith in out of the American West, though. I'm just saying, I know. it's. If, I'm just saying, that's um, whoever it may be. Like, that, that's, um, but simple answer, have the West West Division winner win, right? Mm-hmm. And then if that scenario happens, any Mountain West, any, any Mountain West champion should be ahead of that champion regardless. Definitely. And it helps that Buffalo lost because they would be the mix if it gets kind of wild. But mm-hmm. like say a Nevada win the good division because that can happen win the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess we got to discuss that really quick, do we? Sure. Super quick. I I'm working on an article right now. It's kind of lengthy, but uh, here's a very simple simplistic scenario, Matt. You know this probably. Fresno State wins this week. They're in the they win the division, right? Yes. Utah State and Boise State. Here's the thing. They're, I put all the scenarios, but they're both going to win this week. It's highly unlikely they lose. If Utah State and Boise State win this weekend, championship game for the division. They both lose this weekend, championship game for the division. Um, the only way Utah State can clinch is if they beat Colorado State and Boise State loses to New Mexico on Friday night. Mm-hmm. But Utah State cannot be knocked out this weekend no matter the result. Yeah. So, that's simple. West division, a little more trickier. Um, if there's a three-way tie, Fresno State wins in the West. Yeah. Um, Nevada can win the West. Yes, it's possible, as I note here. Oh, yes. It is very – and also, I put on a tweet. The people give me flack about FPI tweet for standards. I'm like, come on. It's just for fun because I was shocked Utah State had a higher ranking than Boise by one spot in their SOS. Um, so, basically, Nevada can win if they um, – how do they have it here? They would need San Diego State to win out and Fresno State to lose out. Mm-hmm. And then they would own the tiebreaker over beating uh, San Diego State. Yeah. Highly unlikely, but that's the case. So, those are the quick quick scenarios. And I won't go over hosting because that's a whole other – Nest of worms, or is that the right phrase? Nest of worms. That, close enough. You know what I mean, right? I know what you mean. A tangled mess. <laughs> our readers, our listeners, may not know what you mean, but I know what you mean. But it, it's a it's a mess, right? Like my butchering sometimes of the English language. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right, so we get the games. I guess Friday night. 
Well, can we make a mention maybe of some games to watch in the, oh. in the college football playoff top 25? Definitely. You, you take that. I, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit harder to see upsets brewing this week just because you know in the sec it's what, what do they call it socon week or something it like that SoCon week. Yeah, where no. they get the you know the citadel at alabama idaho at florida <laughs> so uh, middle tennessee at kentucky might be mildly interesting hey. if the raiders offense can get back on track brent stock still man come on um i mean let me think now I gotta look at this and really think. Number twenty-two, Northwestern at Minnesota, might be a game worth watching. Nine a.m. on the Big Ten Network on Saturday morning. You would like to have Minnesota win that one. I would. I would like to have Minnesota <laughs> win that one. I mean, and that would be a huge boost to Fresno State's resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the biggest game of the day, of the day, excuse me, is uh, number twelve, Syracuse at number three, Notre Dame, eleven thirty a.m. on NBC at Yankee Stadium. Uh, number 20, Boston College at Florida State at 1230 on ESPN2. Bring your book. <laughs> Bring your book, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the nightcap with uh, Cincinnati and UCF, 5 p.m. ABC. Also, and... do Clemson, man. Come on. There's... I won't help them out in the West, but that's a game just to who knows, maybe. Duke's not bad. But they also are a 28-point underdog. <laughs> That's true, I, but I'm I'm gonna say this though: if Duke can pull that upset, they're jumping into the top twenty-five. Oh, jeez! So probably, it's probably, kinda, kinda, probably deservedly so. I mean, Clemson's kind of outside of the picture that we care about. Yeah, but I mean, if, if you want to have a game to watch in the meantime, go ahead and do that. And then I guess in the nightcap, if you have the Longhorn Network, five p.m. Number sixteen, Iowa State at number fifteen, Texas. Who? How did the did Longhorn Network got three games this year? I believe. I have no idea. Hey. I get nobody can watch it. I guess uh, I know Direct. I uh, wish our package had that we offer gives free trials for that, but I think nobody does except for Direct TV now. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a free trial, but um, no. Oh, well, there's a couple games. I'm just saying, if you want to check it, like, that's a decent game. Should be so. There's a couple opportunities for Mountain West teams to uh, slide up a little bit. So Definitely. I say, regard well, not regardless of, but let's get to our games here. So keep keep a track of those afternoon games, folks. Evening games too. There's only a couple in the mix, but should we get to Friday night? Utah Let's State, do it. or excuse me, not Utah State, Boise State at New Mexico. So I was looking, uh, sorry, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, CBS Sports Network. Um, Boise's a nice 19 and a half point favorite. So I was looking at the um, good old Albuquerque journals I told you before. I'm looking for like storylines, interesting stuff, that press conference stuff. Um, the biggest article over there was how will attendance be with four high school playoff games that night in Albuquerque for state football? Also, they bring up the mention during they. And this is the most pettiness thing ever. I'm reading through. They brought up the Boise State almost went to the Big East to get a better contract deal, and oh boy, Lobos are withhold beholden to television. I'm like, dude, get over yourself. It's been like that for at least a decade for TV controlling football games. I mean, this was this is the same team that wasn't even on TV like five or six weeks ago. Yeah, so come on. Like, what are we, what are we talking about here? It's ridiculous, but. There's no really no real word on the quarterback ish stuff. They're going to go back and forth, which is like because they switched last week. Colin Gerhart with uh, Sharon Sharon Jones, but the biggest thing also on the Boise State side, to go to Idaho State. What do they got? Hey, there's only a couple games left. Look for some true freshmen to play. I'm like, oh great. What 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 do we get into this week late in the year? Come on. Well, I mean, when you look at this game, I mean, what? I mean, I guess maybe we could start the conversation with what is New Mexico going to do to have any kind of upset bid bring back the old offense i don't know because that gave boise state trouble and a I loss mean, at one point 
I mean, you might think so, but that's really no guarantee. I mean, I think maybe one thing to watch, which I made a note of in the preview that I wrote, is, you know, are they going to keep giving it 20 times a game to Tyrone Owens? Or is someone like Davon Vigilant going to get a little more work? Because while his numbers don't necessarily jump off the stat sheet, I would say that he's maybe been their best runner the last couple of weeks. You know, he's averaged right around five yards a carry. His success rate is right around 40%. And honestly, when you consider how much the Lobos runners have really struggled to just be efficient this year, having someone like him, if he can get a little more work under his belt, that might be the answer that they need because if they can't find it, Boise State's just going to tee off on whoever's under center, and that's going to be a disaster. Yeah, it that's what how they're like, like I mentioned, I jokingly bring back the old offense because they had multiple backs and quarterbacks who can run the ball well. And if they have a second guy, if he does continue what he's been doing at least a little bit, at least give New Mexico another option to run the ball fairly well. That was one thing, but the way boy like I said, the way Boise's been playing, I don't think New Mexico, even if they play their best game, are gonna keep close on the ground. Even if the number two, they have a, a second option running the ball, and then if they switch quarterbacks, like what are they gonna do? They get to start to Dale, Hart Jones all the time. It's like they are a team where it's at the point in the year, like if they have these guys who back up that can play well and let them play and see if something could happen because they're not going to bowl game. Not that they're playing for next year, but if a guy's having any success, like you said, give him the ball, play him a bit, a little bit more, and see what he can do. Maybe you figure stuff out end of the year like okay going into next year okay we know this guy can do this and we can kind of kind of prep and get going but give these younger guys a little bit of chance i know it goes both ways like i kind of joked oh play the true freshman well you have the retro role we'll play it if you're you play to win first of all and then get in the second half maybe if it's a blowout either way just kind of mix guys in and see what you have to get people guys experience because we'll get you just state in a minute but like they've been playing all their backups in second half. That's going to be huge for next year as well. When they basically get the equivalent of two to four games as second and third string players. Mm-hmm. So Lobos get the running game going. If they have success, play to win, obviously. But if the back, if their backup running back can play well and they have another option, that's probably the only way because I don't see them throwing their way to victory either. I they're they're going to need that downfield element, which has been kind of hit or miss this year. Yeah. And that's, I mean, if that's easier said than done, considering that the offensive line all of a sudden, uh, since Gerhardt's return has really struggled to protect the passer, you know, they've only given up, I think, 21 sacks on the year, but they've given up 11 sacks in the last two weeks. That's it. And oh, no, sorry, no. <laughs> sorry. That's, that's not good. No, it's not. I thought you said something else. I'm like, no, that's not what you said. I said, thanks. Oh, crap. That's a lot. Five and a half a game, six and whatever, maybe. Dang. So, I mean, if this is Curtis Weaver's biggest game of the year or Jabril Frazier's biggest game of the year, I'm not going to be surprised. But, you know, if New Mexico can connect on some of those 20, 30-yard strikes, you know, Delane Hart-Johnson, I think, is going to be a big part of making an upset bit happen. But, again, that's a big if. You know, if, if they can get him the ball, he can make things happen. But can they do it consistently? Because they got like Tyler Horton's pretty good. You can't see it, but I'm shrugging. I know. I mean, I, I think it, I think it helps that Hart Johnson has has a height advantage on someone like Tyler Horton. You know, he's a guy who can go up and get it. As, as we saw with his kind of heads up catching the end zone. What was it last week against San Diego State? Uh, something like that. Or was it two weeks ago? It was two weeks ago yeah, two weeks when ago. he had that 
touchdown grab in the back of the end zone. So, I mean, we've seen him go up and make athletic plays. And, you know, if they're going to throw the kitchen sink at Boise to try and survive in this game, they're going to need him to step up and do that again, probably once or twice. I would say four to five times, not once or twice. <laughs> so, so then you're looking for a line of like what five catches, 120 yards, and a score or something like that. And that won't even be enough. You don't think so? No, he could probably do that because he'll have one catch, pass reception that could be like 65. But, but honestly, like, okay, say he does that. Say the offense clicks. Can this New Mexico defense slow down Alexander Madison, who punished Fresno State in the second half last week? An offensive line that seems to be getting better and better the past two to three weeks? That is another big if. But when I was doing research for this game, I came across a very interesting statistic that I'm not sure you're aware of. Okay, bring it on. Do you realize that New Mexico has recovered three fumbles in three straight games? No, I know that's how they hung around in San Diego State because they got those uh, turnovers inside the red zone or deep in their own territory. Well, I mean, we talked about the, what was it, the 84-yard punt that Tyson Dyer had last week against Air Force. Classic. But, but immediately after that, they, had a, they, they forced a fumble at the Air Force one-yard line, and they recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown. And I'm not saying that that exact thing is going to happen again, but I think if they want to survive, they need to win the turnover battle because – you know, they're, they're probably not going to get much help from the secondary. They only have one interception in conference play, and Brett Rippon is basically back to being Brett Rippon. So I think if they can put all their energy into, into forcing stops up front into trying to take the ball away from Madison in particular, again, big if, but that is going to be their path forward because I think that's the best way for them to flip field position and give the offense, which has been charitably very shaky a chance to do something sure they need to do what they did for San Diego State which yeah give yeah them short, exactly. fi- short fields and if they get short fields they can they can move the ball a little bit but I don't think they're gonna be able to do that but that's if they're going to win that's what they have to do some special team stuff whether it's kicking or return most likely kicking and just get easy turnovers where you have to only go 20 archers points but there's reason it's a 20 point line and I'm taking Boise to win and cover. Ooh, number five in team rankings because it's a 19-point line. They both predict a 20-point victory. Interesting. I, I'm going to say it's going to be like 40 to 13. I don't necessarily think it's going to be that big of a blowout because I think that maybe New Mexico comes out with a backdoor cover or something like that. I mean, I'm not expecting them to challenge Boise State seriously, but I think that I would take the points. Interesting. And I'm going to say Boise State. Let me think. Boise State 38, New Mexico 20. You think they'll get 20 on this defense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, especially if it's a backdoor cover, if they get a garbage time touchdown or something like that. Sure. And if uh, Harson does mention, like you said, play some backups in there. S&P Plus, by the way, has this at uh, Boise State 39, New Mexico 23. That's a 16-point difference, though. Yes, it is. All right, so you're taking uh, Boise State uh, and New Mexico. New Mexico to get the points and uh, Boise State to clearly win, and we'll see if that victory moves the needle. All right, you ready for Saturday, I guess? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so Saturday's setup of games. Um, Sorry, I have my top 25 matchup. Utah and Colorado is not in the Mountain West. But Utah State and Colorado State is. They are. That's a good move. They both play in the same state that weekend. 
Uh, basically at the same time as well. So who loves those 11 a.m. kicks in the mountain time zone? Local, where you playing? <laughs> that game's brutal. Isn't it, uh, isn't it at noon? No, no, I'm talking about the other game. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's an, AM, an actual AM kick. This one is noon mountain time, 11 Pacific clearly. Utah State 23, thank you. Colorado State's 3-7. and seven. And, man, Aggies, 28-point favorites. Is that enough that, points? Should there be more? Should it be bigger? Well, I mean, we've seen Colorado State <laughs> do some stuff on offense. When? Uh, it's been a couple weeks, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's really hard to see a path to victory for the Rams in this game. They because yeah. because I mean, this is a team that just lost by thirty nine on the road at Nevada, and I would make a. I would think that there's a pretty convincing argument that Utah State is better on both sides of the ball than Nevada is. Fact. Fact. And and the move to Colin Hill just hasn't paid the dividends that I think Mike Bogle and company expected it would because you know his completion rate is still lower than Carter Samuels was on the season. You know he still owns a touchdown to interception ratio of worse than one to one. His yards per completion is down. Uh, his sack rate is slightly up. I just don't see the justification for keeping him under center. But, I mean, they're committed to this course of action, and I think against this Utah State defense, it's going to get ugly. Yeah, and that's like we've been saying for a long time. The off the quarterback was not the issue why the team was playing poorly. Mm-mm. It was like the, the long line of things of why teams were playing poorly, or this team was playing poorly or not. That was not one of them. So... My question is: Utah State's finally ranked. They, um, yeah, oh, geez, Jordan loves looking to win Player of the Year. I think he has a shoe in at the moment. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, there's, I have zero confidence that Fresno, excuse me, not Fresno State. I'm typing in my pick here that Colorado State could keep it close, or even do anything on either side of the ball because Utah State, like they score. It's not like they have these long drives. They'll score a two-play, 85-yard drive, a one-play, 60-yard drive, a, a four. You know what I mean? Like they'll score touchdowns to 40 to 50 plus yards on the ground. I wish, I, or in the air. I also, I wish I had in front of me where they had. Do you have how many like long touchdown runs they have? Long touchdown passes. Uh, if you want to keep talking for a minute, I can look that. Yeah, up. because that's the thing. This game, where not just a game, but Rams defense secondary not very good. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass, and. Look what Jordan Love, Gerald Bright, Darren Thompson are doing. I wouldn't be surprised if they have the cover at halftime, man. If they're up 28-0 at the break. It, that's that's even low for Utah State, man, right? They, they score 50 points in halftimes, it seems like. So right now, if you're talking about passes or uh, passing plays through the air, like they're second in the conference in you know 10-plus yard plays uh, just behind Hawaii. But, yeah. they're middle, but they're middle of the pack in 20-yard plays. And they're a little bit below average. They're eighth in the Mountain West in 30-yard plays. And obviously, of course, that belies the reliance that they've had on the passing game this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it hasn't paid the kind of dividends that they wanted it to. You know, like obviously, Preston Williams is still really good. Yeah. But you know, when he's getting more targets than pretty much everybody else on the team combined, that's probably not sustainable. No. Um, so we know what Utah State can do. There's no point in bashing them what they do on offense, what they do on defense. Rams, what um, what's their game plan, Matt? Do they have a good game plan? 
I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. That's the confidence, folks, you want because it's like the, I read from Kelly Lytle. Like he's like this team has given up. I kind of agree with that sentiment. Is there I any, mean, any any other way to put it? Really? No. I mean, you look at last week's game against Nevada, which I think is a a, a, a decent comp for Utah State. You know, maybe like a lesser version of the Aggies on both sides of the ball. Yeah. But like looking back at last week, you know, their success rate overall was only 21% in that game. And that's basically just, you know, 50% of the needed yards on first down, 70% on second down, or 100% on third or fourth downs. They just were not able to move the ball at all. Never mind the fact that they had Colin Hill drop back and throw 40 times and allow four five sacks in those 40 dropbacks. Um, their passing down success rate was zero. Their zero. rushing success rate was 13%. <laughs> they just could not move the ball at all. And, you know, I, I don't know what the status of Olabisi Johnson is off the top of my head. He's listed atop the depth chart, so I assume that he's going to be back for this week's game. But I really don't see how his presence is going to make any difference one way or the other. All right, so Mike Bobo, here's another another, another reason, reason he's probably given up. Here's what he says after the loss. Another basic collapse on both sides of the ball. Inability to do anything. Inability to stop momentum. We cannot stop, stop the snowball effect in a ball game by making that one player basically just executing. So if he's if he's concerned about that versus Nevada, oh boy, how's he going to handle Utah State, who's, like he said, probably twice as good as Nevada almost offensively. Or just, you know what I mean, rhetorically speaking, they mm-hmm. are much better on offense in Nevada at this point for what they can do. I mean, maybe it's just a situation where they give more opportunity. Like we just talked about with New Mexico, maybe they give more young guys an opportunity to try to step in and, and see what they can do. You know, maybe this is a situation where, for instance, we see more of uh, you know, Marcus McElroy in the backfield mm-hmm. or, um, you know, Nico Hall, who started in place of Johnson last week. Maybe he just gets more playing time. Um, and especially on defense, like we've seen some of the, pieces you know play well here and there but they just haven't played very well as a unit at at any level of the defense so you know maybe they carve out more playing time for someone like cameron carter or devin phillips or something like that but against this utah state offense it's probably not going to make a difference you know what's no what streak's going to continue what's that rams not being a top 25 opponent they have lost 20 straight games to ranked teams or a 20-game losing streak, I should say, to ranked teams. Last victory was uh, 2002 against number seven Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, they've not beat a ranked team at home since Fresno State in 1993. Which yeah, is and, and surprising. That was Hold on, that's surprising because they were pretty good late 90s, early 2000s. They, and so is the Mountain West, like Utah, BYU, a couple pretty good teams. Surprised they don't have a ranked win at home in like 25 years. Yeah, it's going to be a long afternoon. So are they going to easily cover Utah State? Yes. I think they're going to cover. Um, are they going to hit 60? Mm, not this time. I think they're close, though. Because it's a 28. One thing to look out, there is a p- potential for snow, mm-hmm. which would be awesome. Um, interesting. Team ranking number five have a few different options here. Team ranking 48-1, 21-1, 54-8, 17-9, number five. I think they'll hit 50. I think they'll win like 50 to 17. 
So S&P Plus has it at uh, Utah State 46, Colorado State 16. Um, I think it's going to be something like Utah State 52, Colorado State 20. So the Rams will cover that? No. Oh, wait, it's 28. What did you say, 52-20? 52-20. Oh, sorry, 32 points. I apologize. Don't, yes, I, it is. I thought, you said something, I thought you said the other way around. All right. I so, you. I, thank you. I... <laughs> My, I need to give my official score prediction to I guess, right? Or I already did. Yeah. They're going to win big. That's all I care about. I, my final score is ir- irrelevant because Utah State's going to cover and cover easily. The only question I have is Jordan Love going to win player of the week again. We'll see. We'll see. Next, the, this next game, Air Force Wyoming, is probably the, I'll say it, the most important game of the weekend for these two teams specifically. It's on ESPN News. It's a two local kick, and they're in a War Memorial Stadium. Potential for snow again, 25 degrees at kick time. Um, on one o'clock Pacific, Wyoming must win this game as they are a two and a half point favorite to be considered or to be one step closer to bowl eligibility. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing kind of what Nevada's been doing, winning and winning well enough to get to where they need to be at four and six. That's true. I mean, the defense has has come around, even if it hasn't been quite as sterling as it was last year. But they're doing it, you know, without Johanna Guyfan, who is still suspended with the uh, the altercation that he had after, before the border war a few weeks ago. Um, and they've they've had to replace a couple of other guys in the front seven, but they've taken care of business in the last few weeks. You know, they gave Utah State a scare, they put the clamps on the Rams, and they did the same thing to the San Jose State before their bye week last week. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Air Force, which you know, to be honest, they, they exploded last week on the ground uh, in their win against uh, New Mexico. But that is going to be the thing that probably, as usual, determines who comes out and tops in this game. Because Wyoming's been pretty good against the run all season long, and they've been a little bit better than that in conference play. They're only giving up about 3.3 yards per carry, and that's something to keep an eye on in this game. That will be. So... What I think my my thing to keep an eye on is Donald Hammond playing quarterback, mm-hmm. because when he plays, you know who's really, you know who's pretty good. Air Force is pretty good, <laughs> and if he plays and plays the whole game, he brings a dimension of he can pass the ball well, he can run the ball well, and also I guess if you look back to last week as well, when he played in Mexico, then all those running backs like Fagan, everybody have these career highs running the ball. That obviously probably won't happen. They're playing a much better team, but if they can have. Maybe not the yardage wise, but if they could be consistent with spreading the ball, like you mentioned this a bunch, Matt. Like if they could have what two to four guys run the ball consistently and run it fairly well, that open opens up so many other things. And add that with the passing game is why I think Air Force has a legit chance to win this game. Well, to echo that point, one of the things that I, I went back and I looked at the last couple of years, and the quarterback position on the ground was essentially a non-factor in the two games that the Falcons have lost recently. You know, last year, Arian Worthman only had 28 yards on 17 carries. And the year before that, Nate Rollmine had only nine yards on 12 carries. So if Hammond can can do, what, three quarters of what he's been doing, I don't know if he's necessarily going to go off for like 120 or 150 yards again. But if he can dictate the offense, if he can get, 80 or 90 yards with on 15 carries or something like that. That is going to make a tremendous difference. That will. I just depend if they can do it, right? Like, yeah, it's 
That's why I'm thinking if they have okay, say one guy. That's why I'm hope, thinking if they have two to four guys and they're mixing in because the fullback, the fullback dive is key. You have the fullback dive, you have the pitch options, and then also throwing. That's where there might be enough. Like I don't think this game will be a lot of points just because well, I mean doesn't score a lot of points. And so I think with the multiplicity that Air Force could do with the, with the ball and offense could be enough to get them down the field and score enough points. Like if they would like this game, like could be like a 20 to 14 game, like the over under is only 42 points. Not very many. Mm -hmm. That does not surprise me. No, it doesn't. So that favors, uh, that favors both teams, I guess, essentially think about it just because that Wyoming defense is so good. Um, but also we got the Nico, Nico Evans effect as well. We'll get to, but I think of Air Force being more multiple on offense is why they could probably win this game. And that's kind cool. of the way they're going to need to win this game is be basically double or tr at least triple the yardage you mentioned by the quarterbacks last couple of years. Well, and and you mentioned Nico Evans very briefly, but you know, in talking about Wyoming in these days, it's almost like copy paste every single preview podcast that we do. Yeah, sorry, folks. Let's, can let's you go stop? Find, let me find a week ten preview, preview and they play. Let's just put can that in. can you stop Evans? Can you stop Sean Chambers on the ground? Because you know, just as it's going to be important for Wyoming to stop the ground game, it's going to be doubly so for the Falcons. And I think especially between the tackles, where you know, someone like Jordan Jackson, for instance, he's up to 13 and a half run stops this year. Him and the middle linebacker or the inside linebacker uh, duo of Brody Bagnall and Kyle Johnson, between the three of them, they have 32 run stops this year. And they're probably going to need a few more if they want to survive against Air Force, especially if the Cowboys choose to hunker down and and just try to pound them between the tackles and wear that front line out. I think Air Force is going to have issues with Evans, like every other team, <laughs> which is not which is not the biggest statement in the world to make, right? It's like, well, duh, he's going to if he runs against nine men front against. Um... Boise State and does well, or you know, what I mean, against all these teams, Utah State and runs pretty well. Why would he not run wild and potentially have his biggest game of the year against Air Force? I mean, I think you could make that case, but we've seen them play up and we've seen them struggle. You know, for instance, you mentioned what they did against Army, but they mostly held Lexington Thomas in check when sure. they beat UNLV. Yeah, they. Most, I mean, they kind of sort of held Alexander Madison in check when they were trying to keep up with Boise State. You know, they put the clamps on Navy. They put the clamps on San Diego State. So we've seen it both ways. And how well that front seven plays against this running game is going to pretty much determine how the game is decided. Because they are the third best rushing defense in yards per play allowed, a 3.48. Yeah. So there, it's not like we kind of joke like Air Force defense, but it's better than we thought. And so... I still expect Nico Evans to probably get about 100 yards, but I'm wondering how much they can do with Chambers and Evans. But I don't know, I'm leaning Air Force this game. Is that is that risky, leaning the Falcons? I think you could make a pretty convincing case both ways. It's it's definitely going to be strength against strength in this game. Yeah, it, because and and, and it's and it's also one of those situations where if the elements turn it's not necessarily going to give one team or the other the advantage because at least right now they're both doing very similar things. I think it might, if you can't throw the ball, it's probably going to, which is weird to say, it might help Wyoming a bit better. Right? Maybe. 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 Because when Hammond doesn't throw a ton, he may throw 12 times, maybe 15, but that sounds weird to say because how good he is throwing the ball when he does throw the ball. 
But do, then you again, realize, do you realize, though, that uh, Wyoming has thrown the ball less than Air Force since Sean Chambers took over at quarterback? <laughs> What's that, three games? Uh, I think it's, well, it's Four, parts of three games. Two starts and, and parts of a third. That's, inter- that's interesting there. All right, but, so we actually have to move along because I was going to text you as we're going, but we got to kind of hustle here. I had to get get going. Okay, this. all right. But that's no, okay. It's on me, too, for being long-winded. Let's pick, I was gonna, that's my segue to, let's make a pick here. I... It's a two and a half point line, forty-two point over under. Number fire and team rankings are splits. They, number fire likes Air Force by four, basically a one point game for team rankings. I'm going to go. Here's the thing: I want Wyoming to win because it gives a chance to have more teams bowl eligible. But I think Air Force is going to pull it out on the road and win like and win twenty-four twenty-one. It's funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> uh... S&P Plus has this game as a very close one, too. They have Wyoming 26, Air Force 25. Um, I'm also going to go 24-21, <laughs> but I think Wyoming's going to win. Ooh, all right. Dueling. Dueling picks. So that's a uh, Wyoming to cover by half a point? Yes. Win and cover. All right, then. What, next game, we have Utah – or I want to go Utah State so bad. We already talked about them. <laughs> San Jose State and – Nevada, is that correct? Nevada on the road. Not Nevada, Nevada. ESPN three games. So get to your watch ESPN if you have that. Um, it's interesting. It's one of the few streaming games we have. Nevada at San Jose State. Another double digit line. Is fourteen and a half points too much for Nevada? Is it? <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. I don't think it is. You think you should be more? <laughs> I think that depends entirely on which San Jose State team shows up. True, because they if it, is it the UNLV team or not that beat them fifty to what thirty seven a couple weeks ago? Or I mean, beat, I think or I think that, beat San Diego State. I think that regardless, they're going to have an uphill battle against this Nevada defense because one of the things that the Spartans have really struggled with all season long is protecting the quarterback. And yeah, you know, as we mentioned on the recap podcast a few days ago, Nevada's still been pretty good at rushing the passer even without Corey Rush, and it's not just Malik Reed that's doing it. They've been getting contributions from a bunch of different people. And in conference play, the only team that they trail is Boise. You know, they have 16 sacks in six conference games. So if they can't keep Josh Love upright, it's not going to matter how many big plays they create, because I think that's going to maybe be a factor in this game. We've seen it off and on pretty much all season long, where you know, whether it's Josh Oliver or Bailey Gaither, who's, you know, he's obviously still out for this game or Trey Walker last week, who I don't think we mentioned had over 200 yards against Utah state, but if they can't do that early and if they can't keep the quarterback upright, it's not going to matter. You know, Nevada is going to get out in front and they're going to put their foot down. Nevada's playing quite well. Like, like I said, mentioned they're playing well, not necessarily for them, but they've been winning and they're going to end up with eight wins on the year. I'm, I'm confident in it. They are eligible to beat issue. They've won three in a row, beat San Diego state. They're, they're right behind. Like, there's a reason they're going to be in contention for the division. Had they, like, and they nearly beat Boise State. Like, they've been playing pretty good the past month, and it hasn't been them scoring 60 points to get to win. Like, versus CSU, I don't care. You hold 10 points. You hold, like, you almost get Boise. This is a long cry from the team that lost 63 to 44 to Toledo, or even 41 10 to Vanderbilt. They figured it out. They're getting the quarterback, and I think they're going to cover and cover big. They're going to, they might put up 50. You think so? I think they might. So then what does what do the Spartans need to do to try to stay in this game? 
Um, do what they did for San Diego State in the first half, where they because watching that game, I keep we're going back to it. They outplayed the offensive and defensive line of San Diego State for the first half, mm-hmm. push them around. But clearly, it's protect like you already mentioned, protect the quarterback. That's the first and foremost things to do. Josh has shown he can be good in the air basketball, and Nevada's defense played better. I still wouldn't trust him 100% to say, hey, they're going to stop this team, whoever mm-hmm. it may be. So, yes, they've been playing better. I give them that credit, but I would still be a little hesitant to say they are completely a very good unit. Because, again, overall, and like yards per play, passing and rushing combined, they're only fifth in the conference, the middle of the pack overall, which is kind of what they need to be with the offense. So, San Jose State could put up some points here. I just don't think the defense could do it. So, if they're going to keep pace – if it's a shootout, that probably favors San Jose State more than it being a low-scoring game, I guess. I think. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm debating if that's if that's true or not. Because the Vaz get score points regardless. So yeah, um, I think it, I think it's well, man. I'm talking myself in circles here. I will say this: San Jose State's got to put up a lot of points. There's a chance they could put up a lot of points because Nevada's defense is still. I'm still not trusting them completely. So for for Mike, your answer your question after two minutes later, they need to run the ball well with Tyler Evans. Josh Love has shown to be able to throw the ball down the field. I don't trust the Nevada defense one hundred percent completely to shut down any team. Like I know they did versus the Rams, but that's one week. Do it again, fine. I got your back. You're you're good. I think that's the cracks where San Jose State could do something defensively. I uh, no, I got nothing. You- you got nothing? Not really. No, they get they get they get the turnover. They their secondary is not too bad. They make some plays in that secondary, as we know. But it, I think I think I'm right. Say it has to be a high scored game for San Jose State to win. I think what it comes down to is can they force Ty Ganji into mistakes? Because you know, as you mentioned, they do have six interceptions in conference play. They have ten takeaways total. And part of the problem is that they, they've maybe given the ball away more often than they would like because they have seven giveaways as well. But the other thing that you can point to is that in conference play in six games, they also have, what, 27 pass breakups too, which is – They are sec- – it's, it's fourth in the conference they as far are. as passes defended, right behind Fresno State, Utah State, and Wyoming. Correct. So so while they've been a little bit uneven because at the same time they're they're right in the middle of the pack as far as opponents passer rating and conference play is concerned they've given themselves plenty of chances to create turnovers you know and it's not just you know someone like Dakari Monroe who has who's up to 14 pass breakups now we we haven't really talked enough about some of the other young guys in that defensive backfield like Jonathan Lennard Jr who has an interception four pass breakups and four tackles for loss, surprisingly. Trey Webb, another sophomore, he has six pass breakups. So if they can catch some breaks, and they've created plenty of them, which I think is a positive sign for them, that is going to be the thing that gives the, this offense a chance. You know, Because they haven't been as efficient as I was hoping they would be this year. But they've had some big play capability, and they're going to need that to come through. And and if they can get a short field to do it, that's going to be even better. Yeah, and we've mentioned San Jose State has been played better the past little bit. So my prediction here, I think San Jose State's going to get points, but the defense can't hold around to stick with it. So I'm going to go some like I'm going to go 41-21. 
Nevada. So you've got them covering? Yeah, I got them covered, which is 14 okay. and a half. So yeah. Uh, so S&P Plus has it at Nevada 37, San Jose State 19. I think it's going to be a little closer than a lot of people expect. I think the Spartans might be able to give them a run for a little while. Um, I'm going to say Nevada 38, San Jose State 21. So you also have them covering then. Yeah. All right, next game. This is probably the most important game for the side of the West Division almost. Um, San Diego State take it on Fresno State, which uh, – Lost a little luster because both teams lost recently. It is on CBS Sports Network at Fresno State. It's a Bulldog Stadium, 7.30 Pacific, 8.30 Mountain Time. Fresno State is a 12.5-point favorite, Mats. Are you comfortable with your team being favored by nearly two touchdowns? That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Is it accurate? Probably not. <laughs> Which way? Too <laughs> because, high? <laughs> I mean, and the only reason I say that is because what reason has San Diego State given anybody to think that they're going to play anything other than a game within one score? I, exactly. Every single game except for They've done a it couple. eight games in a row. Going back. And then, yeah, and then Sac State was still only two touchdown difference. Mm-hmm. So with this game, Fresno State coming off the loss where they didn't play great in that second half. Because if they win, they get the division here, as we mentioned yes. earlier on. So there's a big, a lot on the line to get the division and an outside shot chance to host still because stuff can happen. But mm-hmm. probably probably not. It's probably coming to Boise or Utah or Logan. So this game itself, what do you want to see Fresno State Matt, do differently that they did against Boise State? Because that second half is kind of where I'm looking at where it's like they got to stop a running attack and watch San Diego State has a pretty good running back. That's true. The one thing I look at in this game is one of the one of the key points that I pointed out last week is putting pressure on the quarterback. And there's a couple of things that stick out to me here because one, San Diego State isn't nearly as good at protecting whoever's under center as Boise State is. Mm-hmm. You know, their overall sack rate allowed is nearly 10%. It's 115th nationally, and their sack rate in passing downs is nearly 12%. So I've, it's my understanding that Chapman is going to start this game, Christian Chapman. I guess. I haven't seen. I would make sense. But for, I thought but they would start reason, last week. But for some reason, Rocky Long has already said that Agnew is going to see time in this game. Is and all, the, I can, all I can think is why. Is he the new Mike Bobo of coaching quarterback decisions? <laughs> well, and the only reason I think that is because in the last two weeks, Ryan Agnew has taken five sacks. Now, remember, they have played in the last two weeks – New Mexico and UNLV. Those are not teams that you would say have great pass rushes. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me from here as to why they would not just choose to put Chapman under center full time. But I think if Agnew is going to see the field, Fresno State's got to make him pay for it. Here's the thing. Here's why they will. Did you see San Diego State's not having two offensive linemen? I heard that the status was up in the air. Uh, no. Tyler Romer and Keith Ismail. No, they're both out. They are. Romer Romer is suspended indefinitely for unspecified team rules. Ismail's out due to concussion protocol. I did not see. Well, that. okay. It says they're out, but then the quote from Long leaves a little wiggle room to fill in. Bio trainers is he won't play. And this was written over at the Tribune as of uh, two days ago on the fourteenth. So that was what Wednesday night. Well, I, I had made a note that Tim Wilson was also going to miss the game and that Fred Trevilian's status at wide receiver was also up in the air. Eh, Aztec wide receivers, take him or leave him. 
I mean, so, you say that, but I they, know. they I, provided I know. the same kind of big play element that I think that you would expect them to. No. You know, Wilson Wilson had averaged almost 20 yards a catch, and Trevilian was a shade over 20 yards a catch. So it's not like those guys are doing nothing. You know what I mean? No, I'm half kidding. It's it's as sexy thing. Just give the ball to Washington. So with those linemen out, man, Fresno State, Jeff Allison, everybody, shouldn't they just kind of uh, get a couple sacks and call it a day? It's going to be very interesting to see how much pressure these had to bring, whether they, they choose to rely on the front four to get pressure or whether they let the linebackers try and wreak havoc. They should maybe early, if they're starting two new guys, go after them early, right? Wouldn't that make sense? Like get them off their game early and then mix up um, schemes and sack, uh, how are you going to sack, or not sack, but uh, blitz packages. It's going to be really interesting to see how that game shakes out. Because this is a pretty – what, isn't there a trophy on the line in this game? Oil it is can, the oil can. Because the team needed to get oil to get up to San Diego or down to Fresno or the other way around. Yes. <laughs> Whichever way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get into the location up or down. I know what you mean, yeah. It's a far distance. Like here, back in the old days, we have our Model T cranking up the car. Can we get our equipment down there with our leather helmets? <laughs> so it's so let's actually get back serious. We get a hustle here, but get talk about the game as well. Aztecs, Fresno State. Aztecs, even though they haven't been playing great, this is still a game you're you think they could. St- I th- at least I do. They could still beat Fresno State because if they rely on Juan Washington and if he's really healthy, I know the offensive line's banged up, but he still finds ways to get down the field. And all it well, takes is like one huge play for him to get. Like we've seen the past couple weeks, being basically healthy, he's had some big plays and getting one big play for a touchdown. Well, I think a lot of it is going to depend on the Fresno State offensive line because we saw them last week kind of buckle against Boise State's pass rush in a way that we hadn't really seen a lot of the season. And it's not like San Diego State is any slouch in that regard, too. So protecting McMarion is going to be very important. And I'm really interested in seeing what kind of role Kaiba Tizino plays in this game because he's a guy that, again, we haven't really talked about him a lot, and maybe we should. He's been really good the past couple weeks and all year how often they bring him in on blitzes is going to be very interesting to watch because as we've mentioned multiple times recently, that Fresno state's strength on offense is being able to distribute the ball, you know, not only to someone like Keyshawn Johnson, but to its running backs and tight ends. So, you know, who they choose to, who they choose to bring pressure with and who they choose to drop back into coverage is going to be, uh, it's going to be kind of a chess match, I think, because they're going to need someone to cover Rice down the seam. They're going to need someone to cover Ronnie Rivers and Jordan Mims in the flat. But they can't just let McBarian sit back there and throw. So, you know, we've, we've seen this Aztecs defense be able to bring pressure from all sorts of angles. But I think Tizino and what he does in this game is going to be key for the Aztecs if they want to win this game. True. I don't think they will win this game. I think the Aztecs are too banged up. They have been playing great the past month or so. They've been doing, like, I don't want to say, oh, you lost to Nevada, which Nevada's a pretty good team. But you, like you mentioned, all these one-position all these one, one position games were getting um, the best of them the past couple weeks. And so they could have lost San Jose. Like, they could have lost all these games. But realistically, Eastern Michigan could have been a loss. Um, Nevada could have been a loss. And um, even San – or, sorry, Nevada was lost. Sorry. San Jose State could have been a loss the way they were playing. I think – I think the streak of one of one possession scores is going to be end, but I think it's going to be Fresno State. Um, really quick, the over under is a crisp forty two. Matt, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's going to be like twenty four fourteen. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. Ooh. 
I think that the Aztecs defense will be able to frustrate the Bulldogs offense in similar kinds of ways that Boise State did last week. Um, S&P Plus, by the way, has this at uh, – they had to break out the numerals because they do have San Diego State covering. So they have the <laughs> Fresno State 30.7, San Diego State 18. Um, I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. I would take the Aztecs and the points. I do think that the Bulldogs will survive. I'm going to say – um, 24 to 20. All right, let's get to the final game of the weekend because I really do got to get out of here. Got to drive a little bit. You're going to be at Hawaii. This is Hawaii's last chance technically to be ball eligible, in my opinion. It is a 8 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Mountain Time, which is at 6 p.m. Hawaii. Check your website. We'll have ha- the links to get the Watch uh, Stadium app to watch the game. We've discussed that many times. Rebels coming off a big victory last week. Six and a half point dog. A 70, or should be 69 and a half point line. Matt, why are you going to do it? Are they going to finally end their five-game losing streak but still overachieve? Their defense is going to have to do something. True. Really quick, as for the injury front for Rebels, uh, Max Gilliam is likely to start at Hawaii. If that makes yeah, that, make, that makes sense. So, yeah. So he'll be starting. That's fine. Uh, Lexington Thomas, here's the thing where Rebels have been playing better. They finally figure out that Thomas just need to kind of, uh, hey, Sanchez kind of um, yell at him, motivate him somehow. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, oh, is that all it took? I'm just, I don't know. I'm just wondering, like, he was he was publicly shamed for playing poorly or not trying hard, it seemed like. Or not seemed like it was. But, or at least, uh, sorry, not that he wasn't trying hard. The coach, Tony Sanchez, implying he wasn't trying hard. That That's what a wordage I'm looking for. If he hmm. comes back with a big, big win, a big game, like, he could have had another 50 yards if not for a weird um, – block in the back of the last game they played but against San Diego State if he's healthy and ready, not healthy but he's ready to go and looks good and the offensive line pushed around Hawaii which I can see them doing quite a bit they might win this game that's how they're going to win this game I mean I think one thing that's going to make a difference if if they can carry it over from last week's win is if Jillian can take care of the football because I think you could make an argument that even though his stats didn't really jump out in the same way that they have in some other games, that it was probably his best overall performance because he completed two thirds of his passes. He averaged almost 10 yards an attempt, but he only had one interception. And while he's thrown an interception in every game that he's started so far this year, <laughs> um, I think it's maybe safe to say that Hawaii's defense is the worst that he's Based so far, would that be fair to say? For UNLV, I think or I think give you mean uh, Jillian. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could say they played San Diego State. They've played oh, they played New Mexico, right? But no, that no, was that, in, was, that was in his first start. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah that's where you know, Utah State, Air Force, San Jose State. Hmm. Bottom two. All, I, I Bottom mean, two. all I'm all I'm saying is that <laughs> in conference play, Hawaii's played six games so far. They're not good. They have one interception in uh, 211 pass attempts against them. Hey, they're flip ninth. it around. Hawaii's going to get three picks this game because they're playing a quarterback who turns the ball over. No, uh, no but you're right. It, but Well, to, right. to echo that point, though, flip it around, and yeah. we talk about suspect pass defenses, UNLV is still maybe not great at defending the pass. I mean, obviously they got the best of San Diego State last week, but um, – I'm still in kind of a prove it mode when it comes to UNLV defending the pass. So is this Cole McDonald coming back to vintage Cole McDonald first half of the year where he has like 26 of 32, 385 and four touchdown passes? 
I think that that is definitely going to be a huge key in this game if he can get back to where he was in September. All right, so um, I think another key for Hawaii is get that running game back on track as well because that was kind of the, one of the reasons, yeah, they do the run and shoot, but that's kind of why they're able to stick, stick it to teams. Mm-hmm. With Holly, with uh, McDonald himself running the ball, uh, if they get that going even a little bit, because like I said, they haven't been great doing that in league play, and that's kind of not. I know it's a passing game. John Arsura wasn't he just named a semi finalist to Blitnikov? Yes, he was. So he's one of eleven in the Blitnikov. Uh, well deserved. He could have a pretty big game. I am going. I'm going to take Hawaii. Hawaii is going to win this game and be bowl eligible. Finally, they're going to end their losing streak. S&P Plus has it uh, Hawaii 38, UNLV 32. It's not covering. It's Well, what, what's the line? Six I thought it was six and a half. It is. So then that would cover. Oh, Hawaii. No, six does not cover. It's six and a half, is it not? Yeah. So 38, 38, 32 would cover. Oh, 38.8? No, 38, 32. Oh, sorry. For, I was thinking for UNLV <laughs> to cover. Sorry. I was thinking... Uh, I get the lines mixed up with sometimes. I, I just it's not my thing. I guess apparently, I whatever. I think you whatever. It doesn't matter. Really quick, number fire because I'll go to this quickly. Thirty nine to thirty one, thirty seven, thirty one for team rankings. It's a sixty nine point over under. I I think they're they're thinking for S and P plus and all these is that that Y defense isn't good and Rebels can score points. I think UNLV is going to win. Ooh, they're going to knock Hawaii out of bowl eligibility because there's no way Hawaii's winning next you- week. You're going to want your caffeine to stay up and watch all these points. I've got the Rebels winning 42 to 38. 42 to 38? Yeah. Man, this game would end about 1 a.m. your time, right? Pacific time? And you better believe I'm going to stay up and watch it. You're going to do the recap for us? No, I'm kidding. We got <laughs> I think I'm going to do that Sunday morning. Um, whew, yeah, you know, I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going to go. It's going to be like that Colorado State game. It's going to be like. September Hawaii. So I'm gonna say vintage Hawaii because that sounds good because they have they've been terrible the past while. They're gonna win fifty to forty eight. All right. Can you? Is forty eight an easy number to get to in football? Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, six to, six touchdowns and two field goals. All right then. That's too many. No, that's too many points. I can't go ninety eight points, can I? Sure, you, sure you can. Fine, my stupid upset pick, which I haven't done forever, fifty to forty eight Hawaii. All right. Book it. I don't know why. It, it has been booked. <laughs> there we go. All right. I really have to go now because I have to hustle. But thank you for listening to the uh, Week 12 podcast recap uh, preview, not futuristic us. It's present us. Week 12 preview. Hey, if our picture right, maybe we should make our preview to recap. Matt, save some people some time or get some money in Vegas, right? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But that's our show. MWR.com. Check it out. We have games Friday, Saturday. All the previews and stuff are coming up today, Thursday, and Friday. Probably some Hawaii stuff on Saturday since it's such a late game. Also, basketball season's here. Mountain West, hey, our picks in basketball, if you're wondering, straight up, 6-0 the past two days. Very so nice. Again, so, again, book it. Book those picks as well. We'll see how we do tonight with some games. But we'll have a basketball podcast for the weekend. Me and Eli Betker talking hoops. We'll also be back talking football, clearly, Sunday and as always, let's let's hope your team wins. But everybody, it's only two weeks left, essentially. Two weeks left. It's sad, but until next time.